This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rapp, and joining me this week, two souls searching for love in the great ocean we call life, Paul Jaceley. Hey there, humanoids. And Zach McCrary. Good day, all. Zach, you are our very special guest for this week's episode because we're going to be talking about comic books that break your heart. But for maybe the folks at home who haven't listened to your fantastic podcast that we've been plugging on the show the last couple of weeks, <laughs> tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about the podcasts, plural, that you have going on. Oh, well, thank you. I, and, and I appreciate you plugging the show. I've been plugging yours as well. I'm a big fan of what you guys do here. So my shows that I do uh, first and foremost is the comics that we love where uh, myself and a different guest each week, we sit down and we talk about a comic book that made them a fan of comics or solidified that love. Or or sometimes I have people on who don't really read books and I find something that I feel like matches their personality and I introduce them to it, which has been fun too. And we do just real deep dives into like the writers and, and the artists and we, uh, we discuss... Um, I like to think of it taking like an analytical swing, you know, like we don't necessarily beat by beat on every on on what happens in each book, but we t- we break down maybe like the subtext and why the art works perfectly for this scene or what they were trying to do there and uh, dig into the characters and what's going on with them and stuff like that. It's a lot of fun. Uh, I love I love making that show. Uh, it makes me feel like the fifty thousand dollar English degree I got was worthwhile. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always nice yeah 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 mm-hmm. <laughs> but then uh but then i do a show called comics and beer that which just started with my pal Corey mclean where we drink a lot of beer and we have more barroom talk so i like that I, I always tell people i'm like if you if you look at the comics that we love as like a, your college course well after college is done you go down the street to the bar and you you know you have bar talk with your friends so that's pretty much what that show is uh we keep that nice and light we talk about superhero day jobs and and um, the best super teams and what makes a super team crappy and why do they get canceled, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, comics and beer, the comics that we love. That's that's my shtick. Been a comic book fan all my life and I like talking about them. Hey, you know what? You Thanks. are in uh, a very welcoming group of people because funny enough that is what we love to do here at i read comic books we talk about I comics really hoping yeah <laughs> uh well you know we're very excited to have you i'm very excited to talk comics with you so let's let's just dive right into things i've got two legally mandated questions that i have to ask and i want to say before i ask them um i used this open ai thing very recently because ai is everything and someone was like here's you can uh, copy your show's link from iTunes into this like aggregator and it'll create perfect show notes for you. And I was like, I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> so of course I dropped in in uh, last week's episode that we had with Ari Gross. Um, and <laughs> one of the first points that it said was I read comic books is a comic book podcast talking about comic books. And I was like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay. That sounds right. Fair enough. The second line was, was and Mike Rappin is the host and he has two legally mandated questions that he must ask every episode and I was like it's yeah. to- all right we're getting it <laughs> and then and then of course it continued on and got everything else wrong right like didn't understand that Ari was a person didn't understand that they were what a kickstarter was um and it like really focused on this thing that when I, because I said legally mandated it thought that the show had somehow like a political bent to it and I was like <laughs> sort of right like (laughs) but not really at all um so anyways i just think it's funny that i've taken this joke that paul made years and years ago and made it a staple of the show and now ai thinks that we are a comic book political podcast so those two those two legally mandated questions are sticking around and they are how have you been how have comic books been let's start with you paul 
I've been doing well, Mike. Uh, we have a beautiful day here in West Michigan for everyone waiting for another installment of the West Michigan Weather Watch. It is uh, around mid-40s right now with beautiful sunshine. It does not feel like the middle of uh, February, thankfully, here in Michigan. So I'm enjoying this, soaking in all that vitamin D as I can before you know the long stretch of March we have in, in store for us. So mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in terms of comics... I really read one thing, but it was a lot of comics. And I have a lot of thoughts about it. And that is, of course, sure. the best of 2000 AD volume two. I've raved about this series on the show before. I talked about the first volume at length. This volume two was my pick last week for the top of my pile. And it's so, so good. I want to give a special shout out to Owen Johnson, who is the editor for this series. He's taking all this 45 year plus history of 2000 AD and try to streamline it into these best of collections. That's what we get here is a collection of 2000 AD material, both new and old. And it's, it's so amazing that they're able to kind of like get me hooked. You know, I'm already on board with judge dread. So you get two dread stories in this collection. They give me some reprints of older 2000 AD stuff. They give me some more recent 2000 AD stuff. And every time I read one of these collections, I'm just blown away by how Mm -hmm. good this stuff is. It's like, it feels like the secret history of comics. If you didn't grow up reading it, if you're not from England, you kind of don't know what 2000 AD is. You just know Judge Dredd. And right, right, it's right. amazing how good, how good this stuff is. So it's kind of nice to be led in on the secret in a way to know mm-hmm. how great this stuff is. So I really enjoyed the second volume, like I said. And I think Nemesis the Warlock might be my new favorite comic. We get like 80 what? pages of Nemesis the Warlock in this, this collection. Oh, uh, but before I get to that, I should mention, uh, we get, like I said, two Dread stories, one new and one classic. The newer Dread story is written by Al Ewing with art by Colin Wilson, and it's great. You know, Al Ewing wrote it. It's going to be great. Um, right, right, it features right. the judges investigating a series of random assassinations that are happening in Mega City 1. It turns out there's like these rich, uh, like bloodthirsty thrill kill, like, addicts are using these like remote controlled bullets to just kill random citizens and the judges have to find out who's doing it oh jesus <laughs> there's <laughs> there's a great moment where like it's a younger newer judge is kind of taking control of the investigation and dread keeps saying like if you don't think you're up for it i'll take over but it's your case if you want it and the guy's like no no i got it and then at one point dread saying like you know, it's very common for judges on their one of their early cases, there'd be a case that really nags them, that really drives them crazy, they can't quite figure out, and that, you know, will, will haunt them for the rest of their career. And mm-hmm. the judge says, like, ask Dredd, like, oh, did you have a case like that? And Dredd's like, well, no, but I've heard that that's a thing. Like, I've heard that's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very fun story. The classic Dredd, Judge Dredd story is an old reprint written by Alan Grant with art by Mike McMahon. And if we're going to be ranking Judge Dredd artists, like Mike McMahon is like top two or three for me. Just beautiful mm-hmm. looking strip. And it's about the judges fighting a space vampire. Like, what more do you want? Judge Dredd, space vampires. <laughs> class i'm here for it <laughs> yeah we're getting the thumbs up from brian in the booth so yeah yeah, yeah it's great stuff uh there's also the second part of the brink storyline by dan abnett and inj culbert the, mm-hmm. the first collection had you know the first uh, couple chapters of that story this features the next chapters of it and it's crazy because that story in the first collection just felt like a like murder mystery that's set in the future in space where like earth has been destroyed and people are living in these like satellites around what used to be earth uh sure. this Second uh, part of the story takes that in a far different direction. It's like Dad Nabbit saying, "Like, oh, you thought this was a te- detective story? No, 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 no. It's something much bigger and much scarier. It's I don't want to give anything away. If you want like a sci-fi fueled mystery detective story, 
Brink is fantastic. Yeah, someone on Twitter recently reached out to me about this and said that it was super solid. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard really positive things about this from like non 2000 AD readers. So, yeah, I, I, mean. I think it's really great. And um, no, these collections will have the first like basically the first book worth of stories in that. And I think it sure. ran like like four or five volumes that you can you can mm-hmm. pick up digitally through 2000 AD, which I'm going to be doing just so I can finish the story. Nice. But the highlight, like I said, is like 80 pages of classic Nemesis the Warlock stories from the early 80s, written by Pat Mills, art by the late, great Kevin O'Neill. And I've known about this. It's one of those strips that I've like heard the name of, having read about 2080, but I've never actually read Nemesis the Warlock. And it's so much fun. I was blown away by how good this stuff was. Uh, the, what is Nemesis the Warlock? Like, well, I'm Googling and I'm just seeing like thing. a dragon. <laughs> like I just see pictures of dragons. I'm like, is this another case of Paul liking fantasy stories and just refusing to admit that he might like <laughs> fantasy stories? Sort of, sort of. So the title character Nemesis is this demonic looking alien. He's really tall. He's got cloven hooves. He's got horns. But he's a, a rebel fighting against an evil galactic empire uh, run by the Grand Inquisitor named Torquemada. And uh, very early on in the strip, we'd find out that Torquemada, who uses his Terminators uh, to like eliminate alien life across the galaxy, is actually a human. And the planet where his empire is based, uh, Termite, is a future version of Earth. So in all of his you know, uh, well-known subtlety, Pat Mills has created a, a comic where the titular hero is an alien who wants to destroy humanity. Like that's like humans are evil <laughs> and the demonic looking <laughs> alien is the hero. And he has to destroy humanity. It's so fantastic and over the top and ridiculous. Hell yeah. <laughs> but it what so you mentioned the artwork and like that's what makes it work is Kevin O'Neill's artwork. It's like it combines sci-fi with fantasy. It's horrific mm-hmm. and humorous at the same time in the way that only Kevin O'Neill Kevin O'Neill could do. I don't know how he does it. There's like panels where he draws spaceships and just like, yeah, that spaceship looks evil. Like I don't know how a spaceship can actually look <laughs> like possessed and evil, but somehow he does it. Yeah. And uh, I just think it's a fantastic book. It's very funny at times. It's not subtle, very heavy handed, uh, an allegory for racism, how these humans are like seeking to destroy all non-human life in the galaxy and like Nemesis, the one person that can stop them. Mm-hmm. Torque Mata is kind of drawn to be like a futuristic clansman, like this long, like pointy, like, oh, yeah. you know, like mask I've he wears, that. like the the yeah. the hood and all that. So it's it's an allegory for racism. It's not subtle, but it's also very, very funny. And one thing I noticed is like in these 2080 collections, before every like big reprint of classic material, they'll have a like a critical essay explaining the context for the story. Mm. And the, the writer for this essay points out that Kevin O'Neill's artwork kind of looks like Mad Magazine. And I never made that connection. There's a lot of Jack Davis in Kevin O'Neill in this era. And I don't know if you're familiar with Jack Davis. He did a lot of work for Mad Magazine. Um, he did a lot of commercial artwork. If you know his style, you'll see it everywhere in movie posters and album covers from the 60s and 70s. But he also worked for EC Comics in the 50s and did a lot of the very graphic, horrific horror and crime comics. And that's what Kevin Mm -hmm. O'Neill's channeling. It's like this thing where it's not explicitly like violent, but it just looks kind of like dangerous in a way. Sure. I'm 40 years old. And there are times I'm reading Nemesis the Warlock thinking, I really hope my parents don't catch me reading this. It feels like the comics you don't want <laughs> anyone to know you're reading. It feels dangerous and subversive in a way that comics very rarely do these days. And I was just blown away. I can only imagine being an eight-year-old kid in England and having your brain absolutely fried by Kevin, o- Kevin O'Neill and Pat Mills. So, Oh, sure. Wow. Uh, it's great stuff. It very taps into the sort of like 
punk and thrash metal aesthetic from the 80s that I like. I can imagine like Glenn Danzig wearing a Nemesis the Warlock t-shirt back in sure. 87. So I love this stuff. I'm going to have to buy the rest of the collections. And that's what these 2000D collections are great at. Like every time I finish one of the chapters of them, there's the ad like, hey, if you want to continue the story, here's the next volume to buy. It was like sold. So there you go. Nemesis the Warlock cool. gets my my highest possible recommendation. That's Damn. too cool. <laughs> I, I There's an ongoing joke on my show because whenever I do, when I'm researching the authors and artists, whenever, yeah. like every single time when I come across someone from England, they always, <laughs> always get their start at 2000 AD. <laughs> yep. So that's just yep. become an ongoing <laughs> thing. It's like drink if I talk about 2000 AD. And, <laughs> and I, I, it has it, it really has me curious to read some of this because it's always been in my periphery. You know, yeah. I know that it's important. It's important <laughs> right. to comics. 2000 AD is. And uh, honestly, and I'm going to I'm going to just, you know, give you the pat on the back, Paul. But like listening yeah. to this show and hearing you talk about 2000 AD really has me wanting to buy those books that you've got there. <laughs> I Again, really want to check some of that out. And like I, I'm always a little hesitant because I'm always worried someone's going to buy something and not like it. But if you have any interest like these collections, the best of are a great way to start. If yeah. you like sci-fi, if you like sci-fi comics, I mean, I don't think you'll be disappointed. So it gets my guarantee. So don't hesitate. <laughs> All right. This nice. is a different a different thing than than my guarantee, where I will literally pay you back if you hate the book that I read. But we're not we're not there yet with Paul's recommendations. We'll get there one day, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, I I'm also in the same boat though, Zach. Like I feel like the more I hear about 2000 AD, the more I'm just like, you know what? These digital collections are 15 bucks, and it's like yeah. 450 pages, and why not? You know. I've had a blast reading the Judge Dredd stuff that I've gotten, as well as uh, someone recommended to reading Strontium Dogs. And I'm like in that book now that that yeah. book is dense. But it's like if I ever just need something to read, I can put eight or 16 or 24 pages in real quick and feel like I read a lot, even though it's only 24 pages. Mm -hmm. But like those stories are so jam packed with action. And, Car and especially in that first volume, like Carlos Escudero Escuera is like trying to outdo himself every issue with like the wacky crazy shit that he's doing so um yeah i mean I, I feel like you can't really go wrong with 2000 ad but maybe that's because they've curated themselves to like get rid of some of the maybe less than good stories i don't know i mean uh, yeah i'm sure that if you are reading as the stuff's coming out there's going to be winners and there's going to be you know flops that's mm -hmm, you know that's mm -hmm. just the nature of it i'm sure like if you read a shonen manga or anything, anything that's got that anthology feel, there's going to be the the ones that really shine and the ones that just kind of fall to the wayside. But totally, that's that's what sounds so cool about these is that it sounds like they're giving you the winners of you know of the of the eras. You know, a <laughs> yeah. some some really good modern stuff, some really good classic stuff. You know, to show you like this is what 2000 AD is really all about. Yeah, which it turns out I think is cool. Turns out it's more than just Judge Dredd, which was a big surprise. Turns out. <laughs> 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 for years that's all i knew it for right. you know yeah, yeah. as an american yeah yeah uh well i guess zach let's let's move over to you how have you been how have comic books been what have you been reading oh man i have been great i am uh I, we were talking just before the show about your uh your your adventures in hotel booking i'm i'm in a similar <laughs> boat i'm about to go to vietnam for a month and whoa so i am uh in in the thick of planning that out and getting hotels and all that kind of stuff with my cool. fiance. So that's been fun. But other than that, reading a lot of comics and, uh, and one of the, one of the comics I thought it'd be fun to talk about on here is one that I backed on Kickstarter and just recently got the second issue for, uh, it is called worlds away. It is by Damien Becton, uh, and art by Christian Prunesti. 
colors by Luana Cristini and letters by Reed Hinckley Barnes. I so so Damien came on my show to push the Kickstarter for for the second issue, which is how I found out about this comic. And he gave me the first in preparation. And I honestly, I've got this, I've got this rule. I'm, I'm glad I haven't had to use it yet. But if someone wants to come on my show to like talk up their Kickstarter comic, I want to make sure that I like it first because I don't want, I honestly, I don't want them to come on if I didn't like it. I don't want to sure. pretend, you know, sure. that's, that feels like a disservice to them in a way. And I don't want to do that. And, but thankfully that's never had to happen. But when I read this issue, I, from the get go was totally in and it felt like it. And I've told him this, it, it felt like it should have that little eye in the corner or the dark horse emblem. Like it's that well-written. The art is beautiful. Uh, I, I see it as, the art to me, it feels like if you could make Akira Toriyama and Fiona Staples do a fusion dance, that's kind of it's somewhere in between there. Like that's that's me that's anyway, wild. like b- between the art itself and the colors and, and just the, the palette that's used for the comic. Uh, I think it's it's just a ton of fun. It's a it's a heartwarming sci fi story. It's and it's really relatable. Like I, I like sci-fi that it gives you like the cool aliens and robots and stuff, but I want it to be a story that is still grounded and relatable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like at the core, the, it's got to be something that I can still feel and get behind. And that's what he he does here. It's a story of a um, a family that was torn apart because the the husband he he dies before the book opens. And we and the cool thing about it is it's got you ever see that that Pixar movie up where it starts really happy and then boom, wife dies and you're, and you're just broken for a second or two. You know, the, it kind of does that. It it go. It's it's I'm just going to Damien won't mind if I spoil a little bit of issue one. But uh, so the, the book opens up with this this great scene of the the husband slash father recanting. Uh, the story of meeting his meeting his wife and and falling in love with her and and like the deep really I should have used this for later on in the show but the fall in love <laughs> with her and and uh, and then having this child and the amazing feeling of that and then before we move into like the the actual like full story he basically makes like the ultimate sacrifice kind of thing to protect his family and so we are left then a, a few years later with angsty teen daughter and mom and they both are in this place where they still fully neither of them have fully come to terms with what has happened you know mm-hmm. with the loss of the father or husband you know with with the with the loss of this person and at the same time she the daughter is at this right age where her and mom are button heads mom just wants the best for her kid but she's not good at you know communicating that that was dad's sure. thing mm-hmm. and and they're, they're but at the same time, they have crash landed on this planet that they know nothing about. And now they have to try and find their way off. And mom is just trying to keep her daughter safe and get them out of there. And at the same time, uh, you know, this teenage girl is just not having it. She feels disrespected. Mom doesn't trust me. Mom, you know, all the all the things that you get out of family dynamics and drama. And at the same time, you've got like a this little ai robot that is trying to be mediator between the two of them in a way <laughs> you know it's got kind Great. of a skeets booster gold vibe and 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 it's 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 a fun book uh it's got a lot of cool action and and at this at, like i said at the core it's just this very nice family drama where you want to see these two finally come together and finally find that middle ground and you also want to see them both get off this planet alive like 
that for me that is kind of the crux of it is i'm just i i'm i'm worried about mom you know i don't because it's very clear that she's willing to do whatever it takes and i hope she doesn't have to in the end it's uh it's two issues deep he is actually uh he's going to be running a kickstarter here in like a I think in like a, I think I want to say the beginning of March. I think for the final two issues, it's going to be a four issue thing, and you can get all four of them together. He didn't pay me to do this as an ad or anything like that, but I, but it's a, it's a really fun comic. It was sure. a, it was a, a heartwarming sci-fi tale, and yeah, worlds away. I just I just read the second issue, and hey, Damien, it's really good. <laughs> well, that sounds that sounds really cool. Love love me a good Kickstarter comic. I, I was looking at the art. I, the The pitch is like radiant bra- or black and Power Rangers and God of War. I totally can mm. see that in the style. That sounds really cool. I'll have to check out the Kickstarter when the next one comes out. Cool. Uh, well, for me, I uh, I've been all right. As I as Zach said, I was busy trying to figure out stuff for Gen Con. So if you're going to Gen Con this year, I'll <laughs> give you a button or a pin if I see you there. <laughs> but uh, otherwise, yeah, I've been I've read a handful of books. Um, I got caught up on some of the I, I should say I did read the the Storm and the Brotherhood, like Sins of Sinister offshoot universe stuff that's happening. Um, it's pretty good. I'm kind of just going to wait until that whole event is done before I talk about it, because I feel like I don't have a good grip on it and I kind of hate how complicated it's gotten already just two issues in, but we'll, we'll see if it all like sells itself out after by the end of it. Um, they've introduced the idea of a Mr. Sinister who has a, instead of a diamond on his forehead, he has a spade, which implies that there's potentially a heart and a club like Sinister. And I hate, like, I love the idea of the deck of cards being played into this, but then how does this factor into like, the whole X-Men universe of like the there's the the club with the the Black Knight in the in the Black King and the White Queen. And it's like, I don't know, it's it's all over the place. And uh, Hellfire Club, that's what I'm thinking Hellfire of. Club, yeah. Anyways, so I did read some other books that I'm actually excited to talk about. One being Yusaji Yojimbo, Volume 7, Jen's Story. This is by Stan Sakai. It's pro- I think it's the last volume published by Fanagraphics. And I don't really have much too much to say about it other than like seven volumes in Stan Sakai's series is fantastic if you haven't read it i mean it's been out for 40 plus years um it's amazing and this volume in particular adds some fun backstory and some throwback to old characters you start to see stan saying like hey i've established all of this lore now let's kind of play with it a little bit i've got this whole these these characters that have come in and out of the story a couple of trickster people we've got this yusaji who's like a a a ronin kind of running on his own and then there's this other guy who's like a bounty hunter who has this mysterious past named jen and uh yeah it's just a it's a really fun volume because i think stan instead of doing just a series of little mini stories um decided to do a more fuller well-told arc in this volume and i love it uh like the previous volumes were great but you know at the end at the end of the day seven volumes in i'm wondering can stan miss i don't think so so if you haven't read it like Yusaji Ojimbo is like probably one of the best comics you could ever pick up but yeah highly recommend it especially if you're like me and you'd like had just watched like three uh, uh Kurosawa movies in a row and you were like I need more of this and then you, I picked up <laughs> this series like it's it's a perfect combination because uh Sakai he totally just rips off a <laughs> Kurosawa stories and turns them into a story about a rabbit but there's nothing wrong with that okay it's a no. lot of fun Love that. Loving it so far. I'm probably going to probably start snagging the Dark Horse volumes um, as I get them. Um, it's it's pretty great. I, I do have volume eight like ready for me at the library. So looking forward to that. Um, but Zach, did you read anything else that you want to talk about before I jump into the last book on my pile that will shock everybody as to what I read? <laughs> uh, well, the, the last thing 
is uh, not a book, but a million books. Because <laughs> okay. I, I just uh, recorded an episode of my show for the Dark Web series the uh, mm-hmm. the event the x-men spider-man event that just happened over at marvel just wrapped up at the beginning of february and uh here's the thing so i am a lifelong unapologetic ben riley nut like okay. ben riley is my guy he is my favorite <laughs> okay. character in marvel and so you know uh, at the end of the beyond spider-man arc i which i both loved and was heartbroken by at the very end with Mm -hmm. everything that happens to Ben because he really is just he is that character that Marvel likes to kick when he's down and uh, so I I was I was I had to read this with with Ben going full chasm and being this villain now and uh, and teaming up with Maddie Pryor who who is you know the clone of Jean Grey so you got these two clones whose lives are so similar but have never crossed paths. And when when you hear that they're teaming up, it's like, this makes so much sense mm-hmm. that these two would be an echo chamber for, for uh, echo chamber for each other's pain in a way because no one can understand what they've gone through like each other at this right. point. And, and so I was on board for this story. I love the allusions to the Inferno story arc from X-Men back in the late 80s. Uh, it's got some fun Ghostbusters vibes because I mean only Marvel only Marvel could take demons are attacking Manhattan and eating people and make it fun and kind of light <laughs> you know because at yeah. the same time at, at the same time as uh this carriage turns into a demon and is swallowing the people that were sitting in it it's cracking a joke and you're like uh you you <laughs> rascal and, and, and stuff like that keeps happening with uh like us I think it was Spider-Man was fighting maybe Venom Mm-hmm. and he, they knock over a scooter and the scooter's on its side and it's like hey what do i have to do with this could someone come over and stand me up you know that kind of stuff and i just <laughs> it's ridiculous and it's fun even though it's de- again demons eating people in new york city it was sure. uh, it was a fun time but at the same time uh it, it was able to it was able to hit on a lot of different emotional levels especially if you read some of the tie-ins because the, the main crux of it is amazing spider-man and uh dark web x-men and Dark Web X-Men is phenomenal. The art of the story, because it focuses more on Madeline and her trauma mm-hmm. and basically, you know, falling in love with Cyclops, having his child, and then he just r- runs off to play with his old ex-buddies yeah. and leaves her, you know, and just, and then, you know, gets back together with the now alive again, Jean Grey. That's great. And, and, you know, and, and so it deals with a lot of her trauma and, and coming to terms with that because she's, and, and then her and Jean having, you know, come to a head and having to talk it out and um at the same time you've got ben who is dealing with similar traumas and again no one really wants to help ben like maddie like people want to help maddie no one wants to help poor ben and but so it was the story was fun it it had a it hit me on a lot of different emotional levels because even with the the laughs there is a lot of serious stuff happening with these poor characters who have been through so much and you kind of you kind of get why they're doing what they're doing are they taking it too far by trying to you know take over manhattan yeah Mm -hmm. but you know they they are broken people they they have been broken over maddie since the 80s been since the 90s and uh you kind of get why they are the way they are and why they feel the way they feel with everything that they've gone through so i thought it was a really fun story even mm. the tie-ins were good the venom ones were good uh the ms marvel was was meh but i did love that they they again went full ghostbusters and had her mosque 
become a demon walking through New York and climbing buildings. <laughs> and all and <laughs> the crux of that one was all like if you just talk to it and and uh, let it say its piece because it was just mad about things that were happening in the mosque. And they were like, "Cool, we'll fix those things." And then the, everything was cool. It was it was fun. Interesting. I I very much was hesitant because I I feel like a cro- Spider Man X Men crossover to me just smells like. I don't know Marvel trying to just farm single issues, but I you're not the first person to say that this is actually a pretty, a pretty good event. I didn't realize that Zeb Wells was at the helm of this, oh, which yeah. kind of gives me like some good feelings, especially given how kick ass his um, Hellions run was at the over at the X Men, mm-hmm. like in the X Men camp. So uh, maybe when this all gets collected, I'm in a series of misnumbered, misordered um, single issues. Maybe I'll grab this, um, but or maybe it'll actually be a hardcover that's in order. Who knows? That would be cool. Yeah. 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 I, I I mean, this is this is it's what I like about this event is that it is not the massive scope world changing thing where you have to have 78 different titles if you want to glean the full story. Yeah. Right. Like, yes, there there are some extra bits in the uh, in the extra like the Ms. Marvel and the Venom and stuff like that. It, it helps, but you don't need it. Like the core of this book is Amazing Spider-Man and the three X-Men tie in uh and they are called dark web x-men and then mm-hmm. there's the bookends uh dusk and dawn that are just dark web dusk dark web dawn and and it's it is it stays in that little thing it stays in manhattan it is these characters and you know it other than poor ben riley everything gets to go back to the status quo after it's over so it's, it's it was a fun event except cool. for ben god i've <laughs> i swear i swear like the that guy can't catch a break he really can't I know about this much about Ben Riley, so I all I can hear of is like, yeah, he's just another clone. Who cares? Which I'm sure is not helping, right? No, <laughs> I'm leaving. That's it. I'm done here. <laughs> oh man. Well, it sounds interesting. I think you've you've maybe pushed me over the edge to at least maybe dip my toes into this dark web stuff because I've read pretty much every other X Men thing that's come out since the Krakoa era. So like, mm-hmm. maybe I'll dive in. We'll see. We'll see. Um. I do have one more book that I want to talk about uh, before we jump into the top of our pile, and that is Batman One Bad Day, The Riddler, number one. I know this came out a little while ago, uh, but I was looking at a preview art for it, and I was like, you know, that Mitch Mitch Jerez, he can kind of draw some nice comic books. <laughs> and of course, it's Tom King, and like, it's it's 60-40 with that guy, you know? Um, but anyway, so this story here, if you don't know, is like, there is... Riddler has done the absolute worst and has continued to the absolute worst. He's the smartest person in all of Gotham and Batman has to somehow stop him. Um, That's like the baseline. But what what this story does is just go as dark as humanly possible with a character like the Riddler going like and also elaborating on a fake Gotham or a different alternate Gotham where like Jim Gordon is like kind of a garbage person and uh like batman feels powerless and he's not going to kill anybody and so the riddler just gets to live this life of like just murdering anybody that he that he wants because he's so smart and there's like this through line of the story of the riddler is the riddler because he needs to know everything i really like the way that tom king kept like he just kept hammering that into the story um and you got these these just beautiful flashbacks um that drads drew that it, are just like heartbreaking almost like you actually almost feel bad for edward nigma to a certain extent until you see him like switch over from like oh man someone's everyone's so mean to me to just i'm a i'm a sociopath now like something (laughs) happens and the kid just goes from poor kid to sociopath Mm -hmm. yeah like again this is this to me feels like a book that was pitched as like we know that there are batman fans and there are readers out there who want the darkest 
grittiest Gotham you can think of that's full of murder and full of like, I'm so smart level characters that like you can't do anything to me. And they're, we're going to give them Mitch Dreads to draw this book and it's going to be the most beautiful, horrible thing at the at, like all together <laughs> in one. Um, this almost reminds me of Ruins by Warren Ellis and Therese, uh, Teresa Nielsen, Cliff Nielsen and uh, Chris Moeller. If It's an old series from the 90s that is kind of like a parody of the Marvel series that Marvel's series that came out um, by Alex Ross <laughs> and Kurt Busiek. Right. And uh, or was it not Kurt Busiek? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was. OK, it was. Yeah, I. I for some reason anyways um so that book came out marvels came out and it's this wonderful story about the origins of the marvel characters and warren ellis does this book and it's like well what if like all of the rules of real life actually applied right like how is it possible for the thing to be made out of bricks or like the when the when the hulk shows up he is like in a, in a radiated mess that literally just kills people because they're around him you know Every horrible thing, like Spider-Man is doesn't look like a normal human. He's got these horrible arachnid features. Like, think of every awful thing that you could apply to any of the superheroes that you lo- know and love. And Warren Ellis and, and the creative team do that in this book. Um, and that's, to me, maybe not as extreme how, where, where this Riddler book goes, but it does feel like that kind of idea. Like, from a storytelling perspective, how far and twisted can we make the Riddler? Um, and that's where, like, the book goes. I ultimately I thought it was an enjoyable read, but it is dark, 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 dark. <laughs> and it, there it does suffer from like, despite being 88 pages, having this, oh, no, I need to wrap things up montage that like kind of takes the really, really well paced first three quarters and then speeds it up until we get to the end. And there's a nice switcheroo that I thought was fun. Um, very classic Batman shit that is just enjoyable as a Batman reader. Um, so, yeah, I, I really think that. uh uh, it's a, it's pretty fun. It's not groundbreaking. Um, it's gorgeous to look at. And Mitch Dredd should be put in jail for drawing Bruce Wayne as John Hamm. Um, <laughs> that's because he does it. He did it once. And I'm like, oh, no, that's just because he's a small version of the character. And then like multiple pages later, he's still John Hamm. And I'm like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's fun. You know, 88 yeah. pages, man. You get your money's worth for, for seven or eight bucks. I know we've talked about it on the show before, but I'm really enjoying all these like Batman one bad day one shots they've been doing like each one focuses on a different you know villain I didn't mm-hmm. put in the notes here but I did just read the the Catwoman one that was written by G Willow okay. Wilson with art by Jamie McKelvey which again yeah. I think it, enough said in terms of creative team like it's a beautiful looking book yeah. it's a great story and it's not nearly as dark it's 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 about cat it really explores Catwoman her motivation for being a thief there's some like some surprisingly anti-capitalist sort of like, uh, you know, uh, political content in there or just like things only have value because rich people say they do. And it's like Catwoman trying to like, she's attempting to steal something that she believes was a family heirloom, but finds out that it's not worth what she thought it was. And it's, it's a really interesting, well done story. And I, I think what's nice about these one shots is that they're not really about Batman. Like Batman shows up for like three pages at the end, but the story about sure. Catwoman really explaining her as a character. And again, Jamie McKelvey drawing Catwoman is a fantastic, fantastic thing. So yeah. that's one I would definitely recommend if you're looking at more of these one shots. Okay. Okay. I mean, I don't, I don't want to read more DC comics, Paul, but uh, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. My top of my pile might be a big surprise for everybody. So let's sure. actually get into that. Yeah. Um, let's talk about books that are on the top of our pile, comics that are new or old, or just been sitting on your shelf so long. You're like, I got to get to this. It's about time. Um, so I guess let's jump back over to you, Paul. What's on the sure. top of your pile? Well, I think you mentioned it last week, Mike, and I happened to be at the library and saw a copy, so I grabbed it and checked it out, and that is Monsters 
by Barry Windsor Smith. This is the gigantic, mm. gigantic book. It's literally a monster. It's so big. Um, <laughs> Paul's showing it to us on, on camera yeah. right now, and I for, I forgot how big that book is. It is you could kill yeah. someone with that. I, I, was, I was at the library just looking for something. I needed something, a quick read, and this is on the shelf. I was like, oh, there we go. So <laughs> That's 600 pages of monster <laughs> stories, right? Um, and it just looks appealing. I just flipped through it, and I love Barry Windsor Smith's artwork. It's all black and white, you know, pen on ink, uh, pen on page you know, ink on uh, uh, black and white ink artwork. I've never read a lot of his stuff, but I remember being a teenager and reading Weapon X for the first time and it blowing my mind, just the way Barry Windsor Smith can draw the most exquisitely illustrated violence imaginable. Like that book, Weapon mm-hmm. X book is not for kids. Like it's so bloody right. and violent. And, uh, you know, this book is something that he's been working on for, for a long time. I think decades, he's been slowly working on this. It's a labor mm-hmm. of love. It's published by Fantagraphics. It's a standalone story, not superheroes. And uh, just based on the few pages I've read so far and the, re- and the sort of synopsis on the back, it's kind of like a horror comic with some thriller aspects. It's set in the early 60s. And this a young person has joined the military. He's signed up to be a volunteer for the army. And he gets recruited into sort of a secret part of the army that's doing some genetic experimentation. Turns out that program is, can be traced back to Nazi Germany. So it's, you know, kind of a heavy read. Sure. <laughs> sure it's going to be pretty violent. It's going to be kind of dark, but if mm-hmm. anyone, like I said, can pull off some like really, really jaw dropping, beautiful artwork that is also very bloody and violent is Barry Windsor Smith. So I'm kind of excited to check into this. It's feels a little different from what I normally read. So yeah, looks great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, one day I'll get to that. I'm sure. I promise. One day okay. I'll get to it. It's it's one of those books from Fanographics that I'm like, God, if only I had like a week of clear thinking, then I could probably sit down and read this book. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I feel you there. Yeah. So there are certain books where it's like I need to be in a certain headspace to be able to do this. Right. Sure. Right. 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 <laughs> well, Zach, what about you? What's on the top of your pile? Top of my pile is uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Last Ronin, The Lost Years, number one. Kevin Eastman, art by Tom Waltz and Ben Bishop. I I don't know if you guys read The Last Ronin when it came out this past yeah, year, but I, I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Maybe it's that like edgelord grimdark teenager in me, but I love dystopian <laughs> stuff. You know, sure. I, I, I love dark dystopian stuff. And uh, I just I love the twist of it. I was very happy with the choice of who the surviving turtle was. I thought it was one that made the most sense and was the most interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I won't spoil it here for anybody, but um, I'm 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 really excited to read this. I honestly I've been avoiding seeing anything about it because I don't want to know what the story is. The one thing that did get to me was that at some point we're going to get a new crop of turtles. I've seen the uh, images of them like the the drawings of kind of what they look like and and i've heard about the names but i've i've avoided the story of what's going to go on here because it sounds like we're going to get a, it, it sounds like we're going to get a lot of what happened to x turtle in between you know what went down that led to the loss the the last ronin and i'm really excited to fill that gap and i'm really hoping that they turn this into its own universe and just keep it going because this is a really interesting story mm-hmm. uh, with with the uh, with what's happened to these characters and the introduction of the new characters that we've gotten like the the child of april o'neill and casey jones and, and it's it's a lot of fun and i as much as i love like the other things that they're doing with the ninja turtles like i've, I've been checking out the ninja turtles power ranger crossover that they're doing recently that's been that's just that's just silly fun though you know yeah, this yeah. is 
I like a <laughs> maybe it's again the grim dark in me, but I like when you take the fun silly characters and introduce them to awful terrible things and see right. what happens. <laughs> and that's that's what we're getting here. And uh, I'm really enjoying the process and seeing Eastman back at the reins playing with these characters again and doing something new and interesting. And I really hope it continues. I really hope it continues. Yeah, I'm, I'm very much eyeing this book as well. I'm probably going to wait till it's done and read it as collection because I, I really liked the last Ronin. Like Nick put it on our um, our Patreon only best of 2022 series that we did. Uh, I should say that I did where I read everybody's picks for the year and then just screamed into a microphone for 55 minutes about them <laughs> um but i really enjoyed r- reading that book from start to finish like again the mystery of who was the one turtle and seeing i mean kevin eastman's art in that previous run was just perfect like i'm not a huge oh, yeah. fan of kevin eastman's art and sometimes but the way that it was used in that series was just like chef's kiss beautiful mm-hmm. so i'd be curious to see if he's going to do more art in this new run um and just to, just to mix things up a little bit because i'm right there with you like i think what was established in that first volume uh, or that first like collection um is good as a standalone story but they did more in that universe totally is going to be a blast it's going to be a lot of fun for sure. And you're right. They, they they gave you enough there that you could you could see it front to back. OK, we're done here. This was mm-hmm. a fun thing to play in. But there are so many possibilities with this whole new world that they've got here. And I'm, yeah. I'm curious about other characters who maybe we didn't get to see yet. Like what's happened to them? Did they survive? That kind of stuff. I just want to know what happened to Krang. That's it. That's all that I care about. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that's that's uh, really sweet. Somebody's got to care about crime. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, let me talk about some of the folks that are hanging out with us here at Discord this week. Um, we got some people reading books as well on the top of their pile. Paul G is reading J.M. Ken Nomura's Never Open It, the Taboo Trilogy. Jeff is reading 100 Demons, which is as part of our um, Goodreads reading challenge for this year. Uh, someone picked, which is very exciting. And Danny is reading Poison Ivy. Uh, I, I think I'm assuming that's a new series that's coming out or something or maybe ongoing. I don't know. He just said Poison Ivy and then disappeared from the chat. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that's all I'm here to say, folks, I'm out. Yeah. Uh, oh, no, he's here. He was talking about Wolverine anyways. Um, but for me this week, I'm excited for Superman for all seasons. This is written by Jeff Loeb, art by Tim Sale, letters by Richard Starkings, colors by Bjarn Hansen. For those of you that don't know, uh, this is a coming-of-age tale that witnesses the experiences and adventures that transform a simple country boy into the world's greatest hero. Told through the course of four seasons in the Man of Steel's adolescent life, it illustrates that if that it is the person, not the powers, that makes Superman a hero. Someone was talking about this recently on an episode, a couple episodes back. I don't remember who, um, but they said that they were reading this book. And I was like, oh, man, Jeff Loeb, we're talking about the long Halloween and like that same (laughs) the same group. I was like, all right, let's let's try this out. Um, And I don't really I don't really care. I'm just going to dive into this like that creative team, given the time when this came out. um, This is before Jeff Loeb kind of like dipped in terms of his writing quality um which is a whole myriad of factors um i know that go into that but i know that this is peak jeff Loeb, tim sale working together so i'm very excited to try this i mean i know this is a classic book um and even just some of the covers and some of the things that i've read about like inspired by you know some classic americana art and stuff and getting these shots of superman up in the sky just to show like the the scale at which superman works um i'm very very excited to see it and, and to see more tim sale art that's not just Gotham, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. You can't go wrong with that team. Mm-hmm. They're, they're one of those teams that if, if their name was on a book, I was going to read it, you know? Yeah. That's uh, yeah. The, the only thing that Tim's, this might be controversial. The only Tim sale art that I never could get behind was his Catwoman. I don't know why, 
but the okay, Catwoman okay. bothered me. Sure. <laughs> okay. But everything okay. else, I love that guy. His art is phenomenal, and him doing Superman instead of Dark Batman is mm-hmm. is solid. It's solid yeah. stuff. That's yeah, that's why I'm very excited. Paul, have you read this before? I assume you have, right? I, I have to admit, I have never read this because, like, oh. I'm I'm only really familiar with the bad Jeff Loeb comics. I feel like every time I try to oh. read something by Jeff Loeb, it's like not good. And like, <laughs> sure, sure, I'm sure. not I'm not as big of a long Halloween fan as as most other people are, and I okay. don't like Hush, but I do love Tim Tail. So like, I should make a point at least to look at this book. If not, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's only four issues, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you could read more with worse quality, you know, that's true. True. Um, I I have. yeah. (laughs) um, But yeah, let's uh, I guess let's take a quick break here. Um, When we come back, we're going to talk about the topic that I threw on this document months and months ago, which is what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. It's (laughs) Valentine's Day, because when this episode comes out, it'll be the day after Valentine's Day. And IRCB is anything if not not timely so um you've already experienced valentine's day now let's talk about comics that'll break your heart so we'll be back in just a second to talk about that for our show this week we are talking about a very odd topic that again i said in the first half i wrote down a couple months ago thought it was fun and then I completely blanked on some options for it. So we're, we've all been scrambling to put put together some some books that we talk about today. But the topic was, what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. It's Valentine's Day. Comics that'll break your heart. Thinking of that classic Jack Kirby quote. Um, and I found a wonderful picture actually online for the Discord event that we did of something that Jeff Lemire drew. Um, that's like this kind of ghostly, haggard looking version of, Je- of Jack Kirby saying that. <laughs> pretty cool um but yeah so i asked zach and paul to find some books that will just break your heart and i found some that maybe make your heart heal again um (laughs) we're going to talk about it bounce around a little bit so i guess to get us started um paul what's one of the books that you had on your list that kind of fit this criteria here and and why'd you pick it well i mean it's probably no surprise to anyone that's listened to the show regularly and had heard me talk about it but obviously the first book i thought of was love and rockets love is in the title of the comic itself and it's one of my favorite comics and there are many different stories in the larger love and rockets you know series that i could point to um i think death of speedy is a great love story i think um wigwam bam is a great love story but the one that i kind of i wanted to highlight here is what i've talked about on the show because i think it works as a standalone story you can read it without having mm-hmm. read the entire 30 plus 40 years of love and rockets and that's the love bunglers and that's by jaime hernandez focusing on the characters maggie and ray maggie of course is kind of the main protagonist in jaime's loca's stories that center on maggie and her friends and there's a lot of great stories about maggie and hopi in their relationship but the love bunglers focuses on maggie and ray dominguez and if you've read Love and Rockets, you know, they have a very on and off again, are they, aren't they sort of relationship. They keep falling back in each other's lives at different times. And like this story is kind of like, I remember when this story came out because being serialized in the, when Love and Rockets is basically a, an annual story. So like every year you get like a OGN size collection, hundred pages of Love and Rockets stories. And like this story coming out was like when I had caught up with the rest of the series, I'd read everything else up until that point. So Whoa. seeing Maggie and Ray finally sort of reconnecting finally and like realizing oh, like, wow. no, we are a couple and like, this is, they're brought together by a sort of tragedy that, I, that I won't spoil. And there are moments in this comic where, and I'm, I'm trying not to get choked up talking about it, but like there are moments in this comic where you see their entire relationship 
on like two pages where where Hernandez draws you know Maggie as an infant, Maggie as a child, Maggie as a teenager, Maggie's an adult, and on the other side of the page because it's the two opposing pages facing each other, you see Ray at the same age looking at Maggie from across the pages. And you realize mm-hmm, that you have mm-hmm. a reader, if you've read Love and Rockets, you've seen all these moments. And it's almost like you and the characters are having the same exact memories. And it's a really beautiful moment. And yeah. I think this story, and I think, Mike, you've read this story. Like You can yeah. read it as a standalone story. You don't have to have read Love and Rockets in total. But if you have, it, the impact is so... I had to like put the book down and like go for a walk. I'm like, this is too much. This is like, it's like yeah. better than any love story I've seen in a movie, blah, blah. And um, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful book. I think if Jaime Hernandez had ended Love and Rockets or his version of the Locust stories at that moment, it had been totally satisfying. Thankfully, mm-hmm. he kept going and has kept the story going since then. But it, it's a beautiful, beautiful example of Maggie and Ray as a, as a emotional sort of couple. I do want to say, uh, as a trigger warning, this story does have flashbacks that feature sort of sexual abuse and child abuse. Uh, so be aware of that. I think it's handled well. It's not exploitive, but like yeah. that is something that maybe if you're not ready for it, could could trigger something. But I think it's a beautiful story. I think it is probably, if not the best, one of the very best examples of why I love Love and Rockets as a series. So mm-hmm. I don't know, Mike, you've read this too. So I don't know if you have any Yeah, thoughts. no, I... I... I was very pleased with, I think we were at Emerald City. They did mm-hmm. like Fantagraphics happened to be doing like a, a very high, de- like high quality collection of that specific story. And yeah. we both grabbed copies um, because Jaime was there and um, which was fantastic. Yeah. And uh, I remember just bringing that home, putting it on my shelf. And then one day just being like, all right, like I did this. I bought this because Paul said it was good. Like when has Paul ever let me down? And so I <laughs> sat down and I remember I read that all in one sitting and just oh. felt flabbergasted because i had read some previous love and rockets right like i read some of the earlier stuff um that i think you see these bright neon colored collections of of different stories that uh the the hernandez brothers have done together and some of the vibes of those early books definitely don't like it's 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 um it's unbelievable to think that the book where it started gets to this story of this extremely high quality very emotional very like unbelievably like gripping story yeah um not to say the old stuff isn't like that but it's a definitely it feels like a different book mm-hmm. and ha- having only knowing i know who maggie was i knew who hopey was and that's pretty much it yeah and still reading that book and i felt like i had witnessed something like when you go to a very serious dramatic movie and you left you leave feeling moved like that's mm-hmm. exactly how this book makes you feel um and you're totally right there paul like the, the heartbreak is there like it's I, I, without going into details like there <laughs> yeah. is a lot to that story and it is devastating by the end and it's like holy shit how do you continue your book after that yeah I imagine that jaime has continued to make it very interesting yes. um but still yeah. like holy smokes like what what an achievement for him to be able to tell such a strong story and to hear that the payoff is there for multiple year readers and then for me who just kind of jumps in it feels yeah. just as it like feels very moving as well like it's a it's a it's an achievement by Jaime by, you know, to be able to put out a book like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think I, that speaks to it because I know there are a lot of people that are deep Love and Rockets fans like myself that will point to that saying a book that came out 30 years into the story being like, this is the best that Jaime's done mm-hmm. to be like mm-hmm. that, you know, to be that good, to be like, I can still, I can still show these young punks what what a real comic is like (laughs) to do something so monumental like there are certain pages and panels in this book that i just like you only get there for having told the story for 30 years you know what i mean you couldn't just sit down and do that so yeah yeah it's a tremendous tremendous book 
Yeah. So what we're saying is, you know, Zach, when you decide to do your big deep dive on Love and Rockets, you just you you give Paul a call. Yeah. yeah. He'll be there for you. Yeah. That sounds. I was just sitting here thinking, like, oh damn it, I'm gonna have to spend so much money on Love and Rockets. That's a lot of time. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, I, I'm I. You have piqued my interest with that. I'm I'm yeah. very curious to learn more okay. about that. I'm not familiar with that book at all. So I am very curious to learn it, more. I mean, it is a commitment. I think. Love and Rockets can be daunting because I the best way to get through it is start from the beginning. But it's like it's not any different yeah. than any other superhero franchise where it's like if you yeah. you can jump in sure. with Spider Man, but having read more of it makes it deeper, more involving. So okay, yeah. Well, luckily I have thirty hour plane rides in my near future, so <laughs> there you go. Maybe I'll have to pick up some Love and Rockets. Yeah, yeah. there we Perfect. go. I like this. Uh, well, Zach, I guess what's uh, what's one of the books you had on your your list here for comics that break your heart? And I guess why'd you pick it? Okay. Well, God. So caveat folks, uh, I am not just a Spider-Man guy. This is purely by accident, <laughs> but, <laughs> but sure, honestly, whatever, when, Mr. <laughs> I'm wearing a Spider-Man t-shirt. It's fine. It's fine. And Scarlet Spider. It's both of them. <laughs> Leave me alone, Mike. I quit. All uh, right. We got him folks. <laughs> I, so honestly though, like I had to leave this. I thought about taking it off because I was going to be talking about dark web, but when you told me the theme for this episode, it immediately sprung to mind. And this book's from 2002. It was a single issue. Mm-hmm. And I immediately thought of it. And so that's why I'm pulling it out here. Teenage Zach really got tugged on his heartstrings by The Amazing Spider-Man number 39. It was entitled Meanwhile. Uh, it happened during the Nuff Said event at Marvel. If you're not familiar with that, it was an event where uh, Marvel editorial basically challenged all of their creators to write an entire comic with no dialogue, no dialogue, mm-hmm. no no mm-hmm. word bubbles, nothing, no, nothing at all, just the art to drive the entire story and get the point across. And uh, this was this was uh, J. Michael Straczynski and, and John Romita Jr. So that's that's a it's a pretty formidable duo for for writing Spider-Man. I mean, Straczynski, some people like his stuff on Spider-Man. Some people despise him because of what he did with Spider-Man. But I'm one of the ones that enjoyed it. And this, so this issue comes on the heels of a few issues before this. Uh, Spider-Man and MJ are taking time apart because uh, their child had died during the Clone Saga, and she had been dead for a while. You know, like a lot of a right. lot of trauma, traumatic things have happened to MJ. So she's like, you know, I gotta, I gotta take some time and be alone. I, I can't deal with your Spider-Man life. And at the same time, uh, Aunt May has just finally, after seven hundred years, figured out that Peter <laughs> is Spider-Man, and they have they fi- they have that come to you know together moment where he now has to explain himself and uncle ben and all this stuff and Mm -hmm. and uh, so this this is literally the next issue and and so so straczynski's got to get these characters and continue this process these stories with no words and they do a masterful job in my opinion so we get we just get a day in the life basically of all three of these people where we get MJ at this point, she's a big movie star and uh, we see her wake up in the morning and just like the, the way that Ramita draws her, you can tell that there's stuff like kind of weighing on her like this, like her life and everything. And she sees Peter swinging around on TV and just the way that she stops and looks at the screen. It's really clear that she misses him like the, you could see in the art like that. That mm-hmm. is what they're trying to get across, that she sees him. She misses him, but she's at this point where she's not ready for it yet. So she like she's locked to the screen for a couple panels and then she just shifts and walks away from it. And uh, it, through that, that's the moment that really got me as far as heartbreaking when I thought of heartbreaking, because 
as long as I've been a comics reader, Mary Jane and Peter are the couple for me. Like that, I I love that. I will even admit here, I tried to find this, by the way. I was going to read it on your damn show. I wrote a poem (laughs) as an angsty teenager about wishing I had a Mary Jane Watson. I shit you not. I will admit it. I was going to read it on your show to to make you understand this, but I couldn't find it. (laughs) (laughs) But so that moment was the heartbreaking moment for me because it's clear that like she still wants to be there with him, but that she is just not ready emotionally yet to, to come back together. And, and so you also get this great Aunt May stuff where she's at the public library on the internet and she's looking up, uh, you know, things about Spider-Man and she's canceling her subscriptions to newspapers that talk poorly of Spider-Man <laughs> and sending them emails saying like, I think you should give him another chance and you should do an editorial. And like that's so sweet. And, you know, so it's kind of like two different heartwarming and heartbreaking relationship things going sure. on. And at the same yeah. time, you just get Peter doing his daily Spidey stuff and winding up back in bed. And yeah. so that's why I picked that one because that moment with Mary Jane at the television and her going through life and you can just, they show a lot more of her than anyone else. And it really puts the point across that she's just trying to keep going and trying to process her life. And at the same time, trying to not just jump back into this relationship that has caused a lot of harm, but she wants it back at the same time. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. That, that this really reminds me of, there was an issue during the, very long uh dan slot era of spider-man when i was oh, reading yeah. for a while right and uh because i'll admit like i read spider-man for a couple of years right like mm-hmm. during the three issues a month era when you <laughs> would get in like you know spider-man every week it was crazy was so um, much and there was an issue where uh it was like a i think back-to-back issue or back-to-back issues where one issue was started with spider-man was like no one will die in new york city like that was his yeah. thing and mm-hmm. so he was like flying around trying to like make sure that everyone was safe and i think the one person that ends up dying is jane jonah jameson's wife right and there's this one-off issue where like it's just peter being like of all the people in the world right because his his relationship with jay jonah jameson at the time i think was like kind of it wasn't as aggressive it was very like they were condoning each other Mm -hmm. um and then peter of course makes this big claim that he's going to save everybody and he probably makes it publicly right and then of course the person that dies is jay jonah jameson's wife and so peter has to both be peter parker and spider-man handling that and i i remember that issue i'll have to find exactly what issue that is but i remember that just being like devastating i was like i didn't think a spider-man comic could ever move my my heart what the fuck is happening here you know um but it's it's good to see it's cool to hear that like that writers have been trying to make peter parker emotional like stories for many many years right i mean especially j michael straczynski we could we could talk about all day because i think like you know who who could forget one more day i mean (laughs) people have tried yeah people have tried many people have tried (laughs) Let's let's oh. not even talk about that. <laughs> Vincent in the chat actually is is telling me I think I I might have had the issues backwards that mm-hmm. uh that when when Jane Jonah Jameson's wife died that was when he made the promise that no one else will die. Right. That's, oh, that's, okay. that's what it was. So yeah, that would make um, sense. Yeah, that makes more sense. Um, so thank you for that. But yeah, anyways, um, sounds like a sounds like an interesting issue. I mean, I I be I remember the Nuff said thing being an ordeal right before I really started to get into comics. And I think I've gone back and I've read collections where those issues have come up. Like there's I think there's an issue of X X Factor or X Extreme X-Men. That's what it was. The Chris Claremont mm-hmm. series that had an issue like that. That was very, very good. Um, but yeah, I guess uh, uh, let me talk about one of the books that I had on my list. Um, I'm going to go into some of the 
the books that have devastated me in this last decade that people have recommended to me like hey mike i think you'll like this and then i'm like sitting here crying on my couch like <laughs> i can't believe that someone made me read this and i'm so glad that i read it um but uh one of the books that i had on my list was waves by ingrid shabbert uh with car- excuse me with art by carol morrill um and this is ultimately a story about like fear and heartbreak of potentially losing a child like if you've become pregnant and then you lose that child, um, the story kind of goes through this wishy-washy, like, is this real? Is this not real? Is this someone's worries just manifesting? Is this actually something happening? And I don't want to completely spoil it, but the the focus of the story is the, the two parents, like the, these two women who are very deeply in love with each other. And you can see it in the way that they react to each other, where the one is not doing well with this and the other maybe is. And then they, you know, they switch roles as they're trying to handle this idea of potential heartbreak and then maybe eventual heartbreak. And there's a lot of like, again, kind of fuzziness as to what's real and what's not. Um, but man, reading through that whole book, seeing this extremely tough and very what i think is realistic journey um because i believe some of the story is pulled from um ingrid shabbert's like real life um as she put it into this story um and it's it's so just like powerful and moving it's it's very devastating at the same time i remember just leaving the book just feeling like overwhelmed you need to like go lie down (laughs) afterwards um but it's very good because you see like the strain on a relationship when it comes to like creating children in this world and seeing these these this couple kind of strain on things and i don't know again it's very heartbreaking at the same time um so yeah if you're looking for something that's just going to emotionally wreck you it's a great book i know i've talked about it on the show before um but i can't i can't not bring it up when we're talking about this this (laughs) kind of stuff um so yeah I i don't know if you guys read this this was on i think a list at some point but like uh, or a couple of lists that we've had for the show in the past so but i i recommend it if you're looking for something that's just gonna knock you out It's, I'll definitely be adding that to the list. Yeah, yeah. that sounds yeah. interesting. Paul, what else do you have on your list here? You guys actually have some superhero books. I'm very proud yeah. of you for that because I couldn't <laughs> think of any. Well, I, I have to admit, this is honestly one of the first books I thought of when I saw the the topic for this episode. And it seems like mm-hmm. an odd pick, but uh, it is Thor, the Mighty Avenger, which is an eight issue series that came out in 2010. It's written by La- uh, Roger Langridge and art by Chris Somney. I think this is the first time Ooh. I saw Chris Somney's artwork. I think it's one of the first books he did. And like, if nice. you're used to seeing him do uh, Daredevil or um, Black Widow, this is very different. This is very brightly colored. It's still unmistakably Chris Somney, but it's a little bit more, you know, superhero, you know, it's Thor. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is basically an origin story. I think maybe came out around the time of the second Thor movie. I don't know. I feel like they was trying, they were trying to tie into the film franchise at the time, Mm -hmm. but it really focuses, uh, focuses on the young Thor who's been exiled to earth by his father. And he's trying to determine why he was exiled and whether he's worthy enough to pick up Mjolnir trying to what his father wants from him. And he very quickly befriends Jane Foster. And the, the big moments in this book really focus on their relationship, like them meeting. And then there's moments where Thor will just leave for a while and you get like Jane sort of, you know, longing for him to come back. This idea that if you're a human person meeting a God who is interested in you, like, like what would that do? Like it's, it's, it, it's a cute, it's a meet cute in the world of Thor. You know, it's a, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. very touching romantic story. Uh, it's very much an all ages book. And I feel like if this had come out a few years later than it did, it would have been like one of those OGNs that came out aimed at an all a young adult, all ages sort of book. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. I think at the time it wasn't selling, so it gets canceled after eight issues, which is actually what's heartbreaking about the book. It's very cute and very heartwarming, <laughs> but what makes it a heartbreaking book is the fact it was canceled. Um, Hold on. <laughs> and, uh, Hold on. If that was the yeah. prompt, I've got a shitload of books on my shelves that we could be talking about. Sure, yeah, can we start sure. over? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's a book that's kind of slept on because of because it wasn't very popular at the time. But I think if sure. you want like a Thor story that's not tied to continuity, um, it's a young Thor, it's a young Jane. There's a moment where, you know, Thor comes back after being gone for a while and he's got the chariot with the goats, you know, and he pulls up in the sky and he's and Jane's like, well, what are you going to do now? And he just says, I want to show you wonders. And it's like Thor is trying to live his life seeing the world through Jane's eyes, through a, a human's eyes. And it's mm-hmm. very sweet and very touching. So it's one of the like the books that make me think, I really like Thor. It's a character that I never read regularly, but like a story like that is a great standalone example of what makes the yeah. character work. So it's a re- great book. It's one to kind of go back to regularly actually to reread. So that sounds fun. That's that's really cool. I was just looking up some of the the art for this because I really wanted to see what some mm-hmm. early Chris Somney art, right? Especially over at Marvel. I know he's doing stuff before that, but um, I found a specific panel, and it's it's still very Chris Somney, but it looks a little bit rougher than what he does now. And I kind of I kind of really like the look of it. Um, so maybe I'll check this out because this this could sounds like a pretty fun little cute book. Yeah, and it's it's you know I like. I thought about because of their relationship between Thor and Jane, but there are, and it's eight issues. There are those stories where it's like Thor meets up with the warriors three and it's kind of slapstick. Like Roger Langridge did like the, the Muppets comics around the same time. And it kind of oh. has that vibe where it's like humorous and tongue in cheek at times, you know, but yet mm-hmm. still a Marvel book. So it's, I think that's, it's a sleeper hit for sure. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, Zach, w- what's another book on your list? Well, everyone just soak in the, like the the feel good moment that Paul gave you because <laughs> sure. it's it's gone now. Uh, the book that I brought is called The Love She Offered. It was a Source Point Press and Comics Experience. Comics Experience is like this. Uh, it's like an online learn how to do comics thing, and then they they help you get some stuff published sometimes. Cool. So this was written by Glenn Moan and Tirso Yanetta, and this book. It's gut punch after gut punch. That is all this story is. Uh, trigger warning: there is there is a lot of talk in this book uh, of like explicit sexual content. There's also torture involved, uh, the like so, uh, the death of a child. There's there's a lot of stuff going on here. This is a very adult book, um, but it is such a horrendous story about what happens when your your child is taken from you and murdered your child is murdered and and you think you know who did it but and that they are getting away with it at the crux like that is what this story is about like your child's murderer is getting away with it and how do you deal with that and uh this family the way that they deal with it is by kidnapping that person and forcing a (laughs) forcing out the the uh admittance of guilt and it gets really hairy and really ugly there are a ton of there are a ton of swerves that you don't expect coming and not not good swerves that lead to a happy ending because this book does not have a happy ending this is a very dour finish to the book where throughout the whole thing they're really like all the characters involved there was really only two good people involved one of them is dead the other one is kind of riding the fence because it was his idea to kidnap this person to beat 
the uh, you know the the admittance out of them so like it but it, it's a really good read it reads like a movie uh sure even more so than a comic book the way that the way that it's scripted and and the characters that we get and their relationships with each other because mm-hmm. there are a lot of really rocky romantic things going on and and things uh between each of the characters and they're all trying to they're all trying to deal with that while at the same time honing in on getting this guy to admit that he killed this girl and it's a wild hard read i will tell you that the love that she offered it's a it's it's not easy it is not easy (laughs) gotcha uh i don't you know what i i'm gonna say i don't want to read that but you've intrigued (laughs) me um and i don't blame you (laughs) i i don't know because i i I kind of understand like the it it must feel like it's like satisfying but also grim at the same time so like interesting I, i don't know maybe i'll check this out I haven't read a lot of source point press books. Um, there's a whole rant that I could go into about like some of these IP farm companies that I think exist. And I don't know if source point print is one of those, but like AWA, I think is one of those. And I'm kind of just like, I, if you're just trying to make a movie, why aren't you just making a movie? But um, <laughs> yeah, but that, this sounds interesting. Yeah. I, I'll have to look this up. Sure. I, I was looking at the the preview on uh, Simon and Schuster's website. It looks the art looks pretty good, you know? Yeah. So maybe, maybe the book is good. Who knows? Who knows? Um, I'm gonna, I'll take your word for good, it. Zach, good. Is, I don't know if I would call it good, <laughs> sure, <laughs> <you know>? sure, sure. <laughs> but it is a, it is a well done, <laughs> well, well executed. executed. <laughs> okay. <Yeah. laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Uh, well, let me talk about one more book that I have on my list. Uh, I, I feel like I'm re- rehashing a lot of books that I've already talked about on the show before. Forget me not is another book that I really loved. Um, this is by Alex Guerin. If you haven't read it, it, I will say there's some warnings like uh, the book circles around dementia and memory loss and like familial loss. It's 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 a very heavy book um, that has a lot of very light moments that I think like make it the perfect like up and down type of roller coaster. Um, but one of the book that I do I'll talk about last year um, is Extremity by Daniel Warren Johnson. This book is extremely violent and it's very much everything you love about Daniel Warren Johnson. But the core of this book about like trying to find a solution to in a, in a violent world with nonviolence is extremely moving. And like the, the characters that are developed in this book, like I don't want to even like go too deep into the plot. It's like, it's the coolest concept of like in the future, everyone's riding air bikes and everyone's got huge swords and guns and it's, everything's explosive because it's, it's Daniel Warren Johnson. <laughs> and all you can hear is just like the like Mad Max style, like action adventure music. But at the at the center of this book there is like an extremely like powerful emotional like connection between two characters the main characters um and i just i loved it like the the idea of the story is someone loses an, an, an extremity and like it like goes from like super violent to like this introspective look that you have to like turn around and be like how do you make an immovable thing move um it's it's really really cool, um, and it's Daniel Warren Johnson. I just don't know what else to say other than that. But like, this book has a, a it moved me in a way that I hadn't felt moved by a comic in a really really long time when I read it. Like, it took me totally by surprise how much the story actually made me feel like both broken up and alleviate relieved about like what had happened in the story. So like if you want a comic that's going to break your heart, this one works and it's Daniel Warren Johnson and it kicks ass. I mean, you can look at some of his other stuff like murder Falcon and, um, 
the the wrestling book that he just did. Do a that power I'm, bomb. Yeah. Uh, do a yeah. power bomb. That was the first comic to ever actually make me cry. Was right. do a power bomb. <laughs> he, Daniel book. Warren Johnson yeah. really knows how to make comics that are that are fucking super cool and also will like break your heart. But like Extremity is one of his earliest book or earlier books, and I think that one does it better than any of his other stories have since then. So um, if you're looking for some, that's that's a good one. Um, huh. Did you guys have any last books you want to talk about before? I actually brought some books that like you might enjoy because they're about love and they're not going to break your heart. So uh, <laughs> uh, did you guys have anything else on your list? Yeah, I got I got one more devastating one since, you know, I had a, you know, a, a heartwarming one. I'm going to bring it back down. Um, the End of the Fucking World by Charles Forsman. I think I've talked about on the show years and years ago. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I really love this book and it's about two teenagers that run away from home. And it's like this thing where it's like, it's that teenage romance where they not sure they're driven by hormones and emotions. And like, you can't tell if, if Alyssa actually likes James, uh, the two characters and like they mm-hmm. argue a lot and they don't seem to get along, but at the end of the book, what they go through brings them together. And I don't want to spoil anything. Um, but like the, the last few pages of the book are just so heartbreaking. Cause you realize they actually did care for each other. Alyssa really did love James in a very specific way. And um, I don't know, I, I feel like I can't talk about this book without giving a bunch away, but I, it was it was yeah. well adapted into the Netflix series a few years ago, which is one of the more successful, I think, adaptations from a comic to a TV show because they ended up changing a lot to make it unique, but they kept the core of that story the same where it's like, yeah, you, the whole book, you're like, do these people actually like each other? You're not sure. And at the end, they really do. Uh, it takes mm-hmm. a lot of tragedy for them to realize that. And they go through a lot of pretty dark stuff, but as a story, I think it's, again, a book I go back to again and again, because I think it's a very unique take on that sort of teenage, are they in love or is it just lust and kind of romance? And it, it, it's a fantastic yeah. book. Funny enough, if you want more Charles Forsman in your life and it, you don't want to read any comic books, you can listen to his Bat and Spider podcast that he does, okay. which is a, a weird show that's like about like d-level horror movies oh, okay. um <laughs> yeah and they've been doing it for a couple of years it's supposed to be very good i haven't listened to it but i know huh. people that do if you're in the 70 millimeter crowd you've definitely heard the people talk about it over there um but yeah okay. that's a it's a fun little series if you're into like weird dark horror stuff or old like b-levels d-level horror like i said <laughs> okay i do want to just do a couple quick plugs um for like some other books that maybe won't break your heart they're about love that's just in like a very nice positive way um one of the books is bloom uh this is from first second by kevin uh, panetta with art by savannah ganachow uh it's a post high school story about suddenly finding love when you're like about to leave the, your, the city that you grew up in um and then suddenly someone stumbles into your life and you're like maybe i should question everything i've ever believed um it's very very cute it's a super positive story um i love that and the art style is very cute from beginning to end highly recommend that mm-hmm. um and then the other one i'll plug is boy i love you by a group of authors called the yam fam um it's an anthology of be like boy love stories that's very popular in japan but they these folks are all like made a bunch of western comics just little short vignettes about like boys coming together and like holding hands and maybe having a kiss here or there and every single story is really wholesome but they take place in a variety of different places like one of them is a, a mecca story you know about two mech drivers and oh, like 
like cool. maybe they're in love with each other. And uh, one story is about a boy who like goes to visit ha- Hawaii and he falls in love with someone and wonders like, should I move here? Should I change my whole life? But it's really, really good. It's really cute. Um, and you can buy it on their their website. Um, they used to be all like Comixology submit stuff. And now I just don't know where, where to get it digitally. I think you can buy it directly from them. But uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And it's a very, very cute book. And then the last one, I guess, I'll also plug Fangs by Sarah Anderson. I know I talked about it a bunch when it was on the show or when it came out, but mm-hmm. um, I feel like that's a very like love positive story about a vampire and a werewolf and just all the bits and jokes that Sarah Anderson could come up with about how a vampire and a werewolf would be, you know, in a re- relationship together. Yeah, that's a very fun book. Very cute. That yeah. sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess uh, to wrap things up here, um, any any final thoughts on comics that'll break your heart? Otherwise, Zach, I want to give you a chance to plug your stuff one more time. <laughs> if there is none, that's okay. We've, we've definitely talked about a yeah. lot of books that are going to make us all cry. So, For sure. Um, Zach, I guess round us out here with uh, where people can find you on the internet, and then I'll jump into some credits here. Too cool. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. By the way, this has been a blast. I of really course. enjoyed this. Mm-hmm. So my shows, uh, I apologize to my pal Chad. We also do a show. I have three podcasts. There's TFD Nerdcast, where we talk about nerd news and rumors and movie reviews, that kind of stuff. Then there's the comics that we love, which is me and a guest sitting down each week talking deep dives on a single book. We got comics and beer, which is me and my buddy Corey drinking really, really, really good beers, talking about them, but also talking about, uh, you know, cool comic stuff like superhero day jobs and things of that nature you can find me on instagram at the comics that we love that's really the main one that, that's where i stick the most there's also at comics and beer pod on instagram or at tfd nerdcast on instagram and twitter those are the places where you can find me again this has been great guys thanks for having me yeah of course of course yeah i'll make sure to get all those links from you and drop them in our show notes for folks that are interested um go check out all of these podcasts i've listened to some episodes of the comics that we love and it's you've reignited my fuel and wine to go back and reading like things like the winter soldier and go rereading saga for like the fifth time like <laughs> the, the deep dives that you take have been a miraculous for me who just surface level reads everything so i really much i very much appreciate your show nice. um <laughs> next week though you can expect me and tia and ray we're going to be talking about comics who to thought uh it's going to be a fun time i'm excited to get tia back on the show for the first time in a while so that'll be great as always you can check us out on instagram twitter tiktok discord we've got a goodreads group that's going people are flying through our goodreads challenge right now and i it reminds me i need to catch up i need to get in on that <laughs> um I just I've got so many other books to read. People keep sending me recommendations and I just don't have time for it. Um, but you can always email me ircbpodcast at gmail.com with your comic book recommendations and I'll read them and give honest reviews when I finally get around to them, I promise. Um, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ircbpodcast. Someone was asking in the Discord when we're going to do a tabletop RPG as a podcast and that's a Patreon goal. So if we hit that goal, We'll do that tabletop RPG. Who knows? I'll probably run it, and it's going to be a mess. Uh, Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Can't thank them enough. Xander. Xander? Xander, 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 Xander. I want to say thanks to Zach and Paul for being on this episode with me. Thank you to everyone hanging out listening to Discord. Thank you to Brian, who proof listened for this episode in the booth. And if you got this far in the episode, thank you to you. You're a true comic book fan. Until next time, comics are good, and so are you. Yeah.